My name is Ira and I'm a compulsive overeater. It's good to be here. I'd like to thank uh, uh, Don for asking me to share. Uh, to qualify first, I have been continuously abstinent and, and sober from alcohol since September 7th of 1983. So uh, May 7th will be uh, 34 years and seven months. Eight. Yeah. No, wait. Eight months of abstinence continued. I'm maintaining about, a, um, my highway is about 3.30. And, my, and I usually share this. My driver's license lied. Well, it didn't. I lied with the information. That the, that's one thing. A lot of people say, my food got bigger. No, it didn't. You ate it. <laughs> you see what I'm saying? We do not want to take responsibility for anything. Anyway, the point is, is that when I, when I came in, what that driver's license said is I was 5'11 and weighed, uh, I forget whether it's either 248 or 260. I came in to the program that was not my high weight, about 310. And I had been up as high as 325, maybe 330. But the point is, I've never been over 5'7 in my life. <laughs> and my sponsor, my sponsor has since passed away. In fact, he passed away last November. Uh, he was my sponsor for 30 years, Marty Burns. Um, used to say, that's what we do, I really lie. My AA, the guy that Eskimo me in was from Pacific Group of Alcoholics Anonymous. I've been sober the same amount of time. And, he, and they're tough, but he understood me. And, and um, the, the thing about this is, the, is if, and I heard this and I just shared it with John and Jack, that um, if you're having trouble with a higher power, what I heard at a PG meeting years ago was, in order to be successful at Alcoholics Anonymous, or let's say over years now, the only thing you have to know about a higher power is to be reasonably clear, you're not it. That's where it starts. Because all the debate, and you can read this in any kind of spiritual literature, certainly in here, in the third step, the AA 12 and 12, I was told to read two pages a day, reread to put it down, because Marty knew that I wanted to understand this. If I, can gra- if I can figure this out and understand it, then I can control it. And what I have to understand about addiction, at least my overeating, certainly to this day, there's times when I overindulge. There's cer- certain foods I haven't eaten from the beginning. You know, uh, I wanted to be the first person here never to gain an ounce as a 100-pounder. And, uh, and a 100-pounders meeting in the Valley used to be a very strong meeting. My belief is it's unfortunately changed, you know, and I'm, this is not a put down of the meeting, but it's, it's, you know, it's the way it is. Um, but I did for 17 years, I didn't gain a pound and it was 150 pound weight loss. And then life came in, health issues, you know, stuff happens, man. It's like my next birthday, I will be, I will be 70 years old. And I'm in good shape for 70. I have MS. But like I'm one of nine, uh, 10% of people who have MS where it never gets worse. I was diagnosed like in 2009. And I still work out. I can't do what I used to do. You know. And one way of looking at this for any of you who are struggling is uh, it isn't the, the hand you're dealt. It's how you play the cards. You know, it's how you play it. All of us, you know, 
And, I, and thank God, and for me, I really thought that I'd get kicked out the minute I walked in and said anything. Because I was angry, defensive, and underneath all of it, and this is where the higher power thing comes in, God comes in, everything that generates everything negative is fear. You know, what is it? Uh, face everything, recover, and all that. I, I came up with a great acronym for us, fry everything and reheat. <laughs> you know. You know. Okay, so, so, but, but, um, uh, what I'm saying is that that's what generates everything. And this is the herd instinct here. It's like the covered wagons. You know, if we all circle around, we've got more chance to defend ourselves. You know, that's what it's about. But, and my AA sponsor was a tough old bird, used to say, he says, Ira, you can rob, rape, pillage, murder. I'll listen to anything you have to say except eight words. But you don't understand. My case is different. I'll get mad at that, he told me. And that's what we do. And there's a constant battle between those two issues. This, and in fact, in the third step, in the AA book, it says regarding the substance, alcohol, I am willing to turn, uh, turn it over. But other things I'm going to hold on to. Yes, I'll take advice. I'll listen to people. But nobody's going to tell me. And it says, if, what, what, what our fear is, is that if I turn that over too, I will be the hole in the donut. I will not have any identity. And it just says, this is another process of egotism. You know, but, the, but you don't understand. And I had, and, and, and the, uh, the absurdity of it, especially with people like us, and I, I shared this earlier. There's a guy that uh, has been a long time in the, in the valley. He's, um, uh, he's come a long way, but he's still very in a lot of pain. And he calls up, and every time he calls up, he says, I'm feeling suicidal. I'm so just, you know, I'm going to. I'm afraid I'm going to blow my brains out. I'm afraid, you know. And so what I learned about step seven, which is humbly ask God to remove our shortcomings, right? Is what humility is, is you're just like everybody else. So I feel that I'm different. You guys all feel you're different. I feel like um, I'm anxious about work. You're all anxious about work. And we were talking and I said to him, I said, Listen, man, he said, the, the real thing about step seven is you're just like everybody else. At which point he said, I'm feeling really anxious now. Thanks for the call and hung up. <laughs> That's how invested we are in this stuff. Uh, my friend Ken says, you, cannot sell, you can't sell this thing to anybody. You have to experience it. And if I have any issue with OA, including the birthday party and all the fundraising, including the valley, is that we keep trying for some reason in here to sell this thing because we're afraid that people won't come. And that's that's a fear, too. This is a program for people who want it, not people who need it. You know, I don't like the idea of gifts like raffles. Because And you read the long form of the seven. And the only reason I know this is my own experience, man. I have seen over, over years, I have been to 16 World Service Conferences as delegate. Last time I went, some, some idiots here 
said, you should run for general service trustee. And I did and lost big time because I hadn't been there in a while. And there are people who make a, a career out of it, too. You know, and that's fine. Because what happened, now this shows you, I'm a music writer in the entertainment business. And it needs, and God knows the entertainment business needs a 12-step program. Not the, <laughs> wait a minute, not 13, 12. <laughs> okay. See, we can laugh about this stuff. The first person I heard that maybe laughed that maybe feels okay was Natalie. You know, most of you know her. You know, she laughed. She was, she was lighthearted about it. And I only learned later she lost, she lost 200 pounds. You know, and I'll bet that when she was 200 pounds, she wasn't laughing all that much. Now, if you can laugh and have a good time at 200 pounds, if being 200 pounds over, great. You know, it's none of my business because this is not overweight anonymous. It's overeaters anonymous. That's why I like the thing with bulimics. If you've got a problem, in fact, my friend, I, I am the secretary of a great AA book study on called Students of the Big Book on uh, Friday nights. It's fabulous. It's an hour and a half, and it goes like it's 15 minutes. And, you know, you want to ask about it later, but there's a guy there, a long-timer, who's about my age in this program, named Tom O'Brien, says that when you've got a problem, there's a step for that. The steps are in order, though. What we get a lot of is two-stepping, which the literature talks about, which is, Yes, I admit that I have a problem with food, and this is how you're going to, you know. And I've, and the saddest part is when people like that figure that, like, if they do service, you know. But the problem is still a diseased mind, you know. And decisions that are made, you know, from my ego, generally cause chaos, you know. And you know, these steps I've had to write on all of them. But I was so enthusiastic, I wanted to do it. I just, I just wanted to do it. Nobody had to talk. I mean, it was four years between the time I was first exposed to it. My ex-wife went, and she was typical of the time. You know, she would get a couple of weeks of abstinence. She hung out with people. And there was a whole bunch of stuff that needed to be cleaned up, you know, in my life. You know, um, but it's... You know, the word grace, gratitude, unmerited gift. I've learned at least a little bit of graciousness. What I used to say is when I came in here, I was 110% self-centered, which is my problem. And I'm now, after 35 years, I'm down to 96% self-centered. I actually think of other people sometimes. As little as possible, but sometimes. You know. And humor is a good thing, you know, rather than screaming and yelling. Um, I'll give you an example of how great things are. I, uh, and I shared this story earlier. Um, on March 29th, North Texas University did a concert of my music only. Now, like I was saying, I mean, how many living people get to have that happen? I mean, certainly I've been performed, you know. I make a living. You know, my wife is, is great. She's also in her program. She's and we were at this thing at Cal State uh, Poly up in San Luis Obispo, and somebody who's a wife of a well-known composer. He says it must be something else to be married to a composer, and 
She says, he still has to take out the garbage. (laughs) And I need that. You know, I need that, you know, because that's the truth. I mean, it's it's what I do for a living. and I'm very blessed. So the point is, they have this concert. They can't be gracious and they can't be nicer. Uh, You know, third tier luxury hotel. They put me up, you know, like in. My best friend, Lowell Graham, who was at one time the, uh, I met him in the air, it, 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 when he was commander of the Air Force music, but he had been the chair of music at UTEP and, and, and so on. He conducted the first piece and, and, and the point is it couldn't have been nicer. So like on the way back, you know, like when I've worked in Texas, like a lot of people, you go to the hotel and you don't really see very much, although I did see San Antonio. And I couldn't figure out the problem with the Alamo because, like, compared to the skyscrapers around it, it's like very, you know, you can hop over it. I don't understand it, but that's, you know. Um, and anyway, the point is that, so on the way back, the guy that invited me, he says, what would you like to do? I had plenty of time to get to the plane. He said, you know, I've, I've never driven. Why don't we have lunch someplace on, you know, in between us? Denton, Texas is about 40 miles north of Dallas. You know, so you can see some countryside. So we stopped at this little place, Roanoke, Texas, typical Texas town, you know, and all that. He says, let me give, and this is Good Friday, so he says, let me, I'll show you some nice barbecue. I say, sure, great. So we see a line. We look for a place to park. We found out there's enough time. We go in. This is my place. It's fabulous food. Fine, you know. He's, he means well. So guess what? It's a family-style place, and there's only two main dishes. One is chicken fried steak. The other is fried chicken, neither of which I touch. Now, in the past, I might have made an issue about it. But these people were, he was being real nice to me. It's not, he doesn't have to know about my problem. So I said, sure. And guess what I did as I peeled the stuff off the chicken? Not all of it, but I did, you know, but I got to be careful with stuff like that. It has nothing to do with how good it tastes. It has to do with the fact that as a compulsive reader, if I overeat that stuff, and I had an experience like that in a, with about 10 years of program, where we went to a Thai restaurant, and for some reason I was eating two meals a day, and the first one was going to be vegetarian. That's what I was doing. I don't eat starch. I don't eat rice. I don't eat uh, noodles. I don't eat French fries. All that stuff. And the only thing I see on the menu when we go to eat is pot thai. I forgot what it was. I had three spoonfuls, put it down, realized what it was. This is how I know I'm a compulsive overeater. I could remember the taste of that ten days later. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. You guys are laughing. You know what I'm talking about. Not in your head, see. And, that, and that's the real... Uh, uh, the real... Um, beauty of the program. That you understand how I feel. It's not about feelings. It's about actions. There's too much talk. This is up to me. This is me talking about how we feel. How I feel doesn't matter. It really doesn't. What I tell my sponsees, it's not about your feelings. It's about your survival. You want to live or die. You know. And I mean, I'm not... It's, it's like... And the problem is this conflict between self... You know, spirituality, you know, and the 12 steps says it, and like a lot of trinities, it says having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, 
We try to carry this message and to practice these principles in all our affairs. It doesn't say master them. It says practice them. I remember uh, Joe, who was a tough guy, used to tell me, when you make a mistake, it's not a crime, it's an error. And people like me, it's like, you know, I had a mother telling me how smart I was and all that kind of stuff. And, and you know, I think, being the black and white lazy thinker that I am, black and white thinking is lazy, by the way. Lazy, and that's, without getting into outside issues, a lot of the problem we're having these days around, culturally, is because of black and white thinking. You know, that's lazy. It's easy. It's easy to point your finger. Of course, where do the other three point it, right? That's easy. The tougher thing is to look at what your part is so you can figure out what the problem is. You know, that, at least that's my experience. Marty told me in chapter 5, which Jack just read, the word, rarely have we seen a person fail who has thoroughly followed our path. Not paths. Okay. But what he told me was, this is the guy that passed, he's been my sponsor for 33 years. He said, the pace you take the path is up to you and your higher power and nobody else. And it is not one step forward, two back, two... It's one step forward, one back, two steps forward, three sideways, one foot... You know, that's the way it is for everybody. Got it. Thanks, Jim. And, and the point is, what that path is about... Okay... What that path is about is, is going from being an isolated, self-obsessed, unhappy human being to somebody who is happy in the world around them and making a difference. Marty made a difference. I find that, you know, one of the reasons I used to yell and scream and have temper tantrums, and I had to learn how to deal with that in here, is because I thought nobody listened to me. Now... I'm involved in two professional societies, the Society of Composers and Lyricists and the American Society of Music Arrangers and Composers, and everybody's listening to me to the point at which, like, I don't want to say anything anymore, you know. I mean, it just, it just I had to make amends to my mother. And amends is not apologizing. Amends is not, well, you know, like, I, I'm sorry I said what I said, even though that you're still, you're a real asshole and that's why I said it, but I am sorry. That's not an amends. And by the way, in the dictionary, we were going through this last night, the word amend and amends are very different. Very different. Um, but the point is that I had to learn all this stuff, and you guys have been so gracious. And some of the toughest people, uh, the people that I've been most uncomfortable with, I've learned the most from. Just like when I write music, uh, I don't learn from the stuff I do well and easy. I learn from the mistakes I make. You know? We are human. We make mistakes. The problem with me is I'm internally dishonest to the point at which I'll justify a mistake by saying, well, it was just a mistake. And saying, well, I can do that again. I think in the Torah, or, or in the Talmud, it talks about that the first time you commit a sin, you know, or whatever, you accept that it's a sin. The second time, you think, well, it's not really a sin. It's just, you know, it's okay. The third time, you actually convince yourself that it's a mitzvah. It's a good thing to do. <laughs> I don't know where that's written, but, but I mean, I know that it's there. Anyway, uh, I'm coming to the end here. So I, I just wanted to 
we were we were on you know we could spend like at this meeting you know six nine months on like three pages you know and I'm and in into uh, working let's see in into action it says I'm trying to find this one quote because that's one I want to leave you with before I. Uh, anyway, what it what it what it's talking about? Oh, eight and nine. That's what I'm looking for. Okay. Anyway, it says basically our our real purpose. It says is to be of maximum service to our fellows, to to God and to our fellows. That's our real purpose. A real per- the happiness, joyous, and freedom comes as a result of that. But if I remember my real purpose, whatever I do, then I got a shot to have a good life without using food. Now, I'll ask everybody in here. You've been in here now approximately, like, what, uh, uh, 45 minutes. Are most of you feeling better than when you came in? I didn't hear that. Has anybody here eaten anything in the last 45 minutes? No, I'm serious. I am serious. Has anybody eaten anything? No. Guess what? You feel better, but you didn't eat anything. Program works. Thanks for, <laughs> thanks for letting me share if you come back. This is time for questions only. There is no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any one of us after the meeting, not during the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions of the leaders are my own. It's a weird sentence, and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as, as a whole. I guess it should say our, 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 our own. But I'm not going to get into it now because we could take 20 minutes. And Okay. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself. Um, if being recorded. Please remember, if you ask a question, your voice may be audible on the Away podcast. Uh, if being recorded, please restate the question after it is asked. I guess that's me. Questions until 9.35. You will get a five-minute warning. So uh, this is the nature of this meeting. Does anybody have any questions? Yes. Uh, here first and then back there. So my question is, uh, I've been in the program for a couple of years, and uh, I'm experiencing, uh, when I work with others um, in this program and in the other program, I am experiencing, um, when they don't do what I suggest or do, uh, that I'm, and also in my personal life with, um, my mom, more importantly, everything feels like unmanageable. So that's kind of the bottom line. And um, I'm using food to soothe like, the things that come up. It's right. like it's like the alcoholic that knows going to have a drink. They feel relieved. Right. Like that's how I am. Like I do really well, and then at nighttime when I know I'm going to have that junk food, and something in me just feels like better. Mm-hmm. It's like the light at the end of the tunnel. 
So I'm really struggling in that area where like I'm using junk food to soothe uh, myself and it doesn't feel good. Right. It's not spiritual and my abstinence is you no know, throwing up no matter what. Right. So uh, that's my so my pro I guess my question is in your experience, how have you um, have you had any uh, experience with that? All the time. Um, it's a resentment. You know, like I get mad at people because they're not the one I want. The third step talks about it. You know, in the book it talks about we're very much the actor. If only people would do what we want, then everything would be okay. They don't, so we get nicer, we get nastier. They still don't do what we want. You know, and that's the problem. Okay. Uh, what I Certainly being a sponsor... And I'll say this. I have a huge ego. I love telling people what to do. I love it when I get mad at them. Because it, it makes me compare myself to them. And, and so on. All The only thing you, as a sponsor is to share my experience. I don't get... Here's the point. My opinions, and I hear this all the time, especially in here. My It's like, my opinion doesn't matter. All I have to, all I have to share is my experience, strength, and hope. Nothing else. If I'm telling you to do something or I say, uh, make a comment about your relationship and I think you should do this, that's not being a sharing experience. That's being an authority. And like I said, uh, the one, and I don't know if I shared this, but I heard a good, I got a great piece of advice along the way, which really helped me a lot. Never, and we don't use the word never, but this is from this other person, expect other people to be where you're at. You can't. I'm just an ovary, and the reason I'm doing this, and I'm here, and I live in Calabasas, so it's a spiritual experience on the Eastbound 101. You know. <laughs> so, um, but the reason I'm doing this is to save myself, to be of maximum service. And you, uh, how, how good of maximum service are you if you're eating because you're angry at everybody? See, and it'll come. You're where you're supposed to be. Okay. Uh, lady back there, Heather. Could you stand up? I can't see. Um, can you tell uh, us more about your, uh, what it was like before you worked with Seth and how your experience working with Seth and what it was like after? Just like a quick sort of. Oh, it was all the same. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> um, any, anybody, like Jack knows me a long time, Carol knows me a long time. What I used to hear a lot is how angry I was. And I think that's part of it. Um, I was very combative. I used to love to shoot people down from the podium. The reason I stopped doing it is every time I did it, I got kicked in the ass. You know. In other words, we don't... Bill Bluestein, who was a guy that used to be around a long time, used to say, nobody wakes up in the morning, says, I feel great today, I think I'm going to change. You know. <laughs> nobody. We change because it's too painful to stay the way we are. It took me four years to, to even come in here. I went to a meeting with Joe Harnell, who you know, was a woman's meeting. He was not an overeater, but he wanted to take me. And I went. There were six women there. I wouldn't go in there because there were all women there. Now, the, But what was behind it is my, my intimate relationship with my first wife was non-existent. And I was ashamed of myself as a man and all kinds of stuff. Um, 
as they say, so what, now what? You know, see. So like the steps, this was the first place, and I shared the, the spiritual experience I had at the 100-pounders meeting. I, I finally went. The secretary was late. It was like in September, which in the valley is hot, you know. So we had a newcomer's meeting in the parking lot. At that time, the newcomer's meeting was a half hour before the meeting started. So, but I was there. I stayed. Then the lady came. Her name was Carol, I think. I even remember that. And uh, opened up. And there, there was a ton of people. I thought I'd be the fattest one there. And I saw this guy, Don H. I remember that. Just flirting with women. He must have weighed 450 pounds. And I was pissed. I'm not even the biggest one here. You took that away from me too. You know. And, and so there was 12 of us at that meeting. And a, a beautiful woman named Shelly. Uh, not Shelly, uh, uh, not Cheryl, Shelly Lawrence, but this tall Portuguese with steel gray eyes. She was gorgeous. And, you know, she still had weight to lose. But it was the first time she went to every person right before 8 o'clock and said, How you doing? And she looked at me with a smile, and I said, I don't have to be alone anymore, do I? Like a little kid started to cry. Had not cried as an adult. Found a sponsor that night. He said, I, I'm a janitor in the L.A. City system. You've got to call me by 6.15. And I'm a musician. You know, I'm an artist. What I found with the artist with the accent, Gravani means, is what Joe Harnell, who was a music director, says, all that means is you can't have a day gig. You know. You know. And he's right. I can't. So, but the point is, I, I was up without an alarm at five to six so I could call him. That's what that spiritual experience is. It's, it says, by the way, it's a change in personality that enables us to recover from alcoholism. It's not like a diet. It's not insight. I hear a lot of psychological insight. Insight is, it implies that if I understand what's going on, I can do something about it. And with this, I can't. So um, that's who I was. And there's been a lot of stuff. And everybody, nobody gets out of here alive. You know, so I may as well. For me, the statement that helps me. I mean, we have a lot of cliches in here. It's one day at a time. Helps me. Because I don't have to resolve everything now. You know, and a lot of stuff keeps coming up. And it will continue to keep coming up until I'm not here anymore. Okay. Any other questions? Oh, boy. Well, since we don't have a lot of time, how, how about all three of you at once? Just kidding. <laughs> Let's see. Uh, you've got your hand up the longest, so you succeeded. Um, what, um, that I always get a lot from your share. Uh, what tools or steps um, help when you're feeling superior and want to be the authority? None of them. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean, it's just what's different. There's an old saying, you can act your way into good thinking, you can't think your way into good acting. If I'm thinking, that's the problem. See, in other words, the idea is, and it says it in the literature, how we react. Like, for instance, when my sponsees call, almost invariably I feel, oh, God damn it, I don't want to talk to them. But they don't know it until now. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? See how we're laughing? See, when you're laughing and you realize you're just a human being, see, all of that stuff, all of that stuff is you don't understand I'm different. Therefore, I get to step on you. See? 
And it's progress, not perfect. See, and that's another thing. I want to talk about this now because a lot of people in here say they're perfectionists. Bullshit. There are no perfectionists. In chapter 5, it says, one in order, I can't go through with it. In the four, four next words are the most important in the book. Do not be discouraged. No one among us has ever maintained anything like perfect adherence to these principles. We are not saints. The point is that we are willing to grow along what? Spiritual lines. We claim spiritual progress, not spiritual. What that means to me is my problem is I'm selfish. Spiritual progress is becoming less selfish. There are no perfectionists. That's all an ego trip. And isn't it funny that a lot of us say, you don't understand, I'm a perfectionist. We all were perfectionists. If I were a real perfectionist, let me tell you, this would be the most boring meeting as hell if, I were, if we were all real perfectionists. Because real perfectionists are a goal weight, not a, not a drop of sweat, makeup is perfect, grooming is perfect, your ensemble is perfect, and we might be dying inside, but nobody will ever know it. That's perfectionism. See? So what do I do when I'm an authority? I've got to step back. Okay, my real purpose, maximum service. Okay, I've got five minutes, so that's that. We had a couple over here. Uh, yes, the, the, the long hair. Well, that's a good question. It really is. Oh, the question is, I'm sorry. The question is, to be or not to be? No. Um, the, the, that is the question. No. Um, the question is, how, as an artist, do I balance unstructured, if I, if I get it right, if I balance unstructured time, and you know what, uh, imperfectly, um, I'm working on a, a piece where I was offered a commission, which I, it's my second symphony. Now, I've done a lot of film stuff. And, and I'll tell you what, the business, especially the way it is now, you don't have time to fool around because it's all deadlines. And they want you to do like, um, you know, it was funny. I'll tell you a story that relates to this. There was a very, very well-known composer who lived out here named Igor Stravinsky in the early 50s. And, and uh, somebody got him a deal, at the, uh, Harry Kahn, I guess, the guy of Columbia or somebody, one of those big studio heads that, boy, it'd be great to have him as the music writer, right? So they set it up, and Stravinsky was very shrewd. Short, but shrewd. Um, um, and so he's fine. So, uh, so he gets the meeting with the guy. Right with whoever the studio is, and he says, "Mr. Stravinsky, it's so good to have you here." So Stravinsky says to him, "What do you have in mind?" He says, "Well, we have this action picture. I forget which one it was, with all this stuff. And how many minutes is it?" And the guy thought, and he he thinks, "Well, we think it's going to have around 75 minutes of music." So Stravinsky thinks, he says, "Well, that should take me about a year." He says, "Get the hell out of my office." <laughs> 
right? He didn't want to do it. You know, what I'm saying is, is, is part of what the program teaches you, you take care of business. Take care of, next, what's in front of you? One foot in front of the other. See? And then the reason that I will, what do you call it, drift, is because you don't understand. I need space. I need solid. I need this. Just, you need to get to work. <laughs> so one more question, and I guess that's Well, I've been through, it's very interesting because one of us just passed, Arlene Bear, and she was a pistol. I actually co-led a retreat. Um, it's like, from example, in other words, again, it's just like everything else. You find somebody who has what you want. Now, chronic illness isn't it, but somebody, for instance, dealing with it gracefully, you know, and Marty was great with that. He had it nine years before it finally got him. And I knew, for instance, he was 90. I went to his 90th birthday, you know, and there were about 150 people there. And he was eating fine. I mean, the cancer metastasized and it originally was leukemia and so on and so forth. But point is, he was a great example. Like I said, like how I knew he really was, this was it. He said to me after his little fight, he said, I wrote this one's tough. Never said that before. I never talked to him again. But he also taught me something else. And this might be good. And he said to me, just because somebody dies doesn't mean your relationship with them ends. It changes. You can still talk to them. See? But it's me that think I know what life is supposed to be. So it's like anything else. Of course you're afraid. In fact, about fear, and I'll finish with this. Joe used to... I went to him... I had about 13 years at that point, and we were talking, and I said, and when you get rid of the anger and all the negative feelings, underneath generally is fear or anxiety, right? And I said to him, Joe, and he was an angry guy who, who he was still angry, but he knew how to behave. He said, uh, I said, I'm feeling so scared all the time. And this is what he said to me. He said, Ira... You've been scared all your life, and you're going to continue to be scared till you're not scared anymore. So, where am I? Are we yet? Or is there time? Thank you.